Serena leaves just as Bob Gordon is about to lock up, when suddenly he gets a phone call. On the other end is a mystery person that's threatening to blackmail him with a deeply incriminating photo of him. What was your first thoughts about what this incriminating photo of well, poor Bob Gordon could be? I mean, usually incriminating photos are of a lewd nature, possibly sexual nature. Yeah, um, an adulterous picture or something. Yeah, but since this is a kid's show, I knew it would be something silly, as indeed it proves to be. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted the picture to be uh, something, well, something that we're all familiar with in, in Britain, of a, uh, a figure of power being caught in a leather jacket and a bra being noshed off by a prostitute. Yeah, or him yeah. fucking a cat. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three rowdy and rambunctious blokes review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Throughout my name will be Phil Dean, and I hope it continues to be like that as I guide you through all 163 of these magical episodes. Uh, to my left is Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Hello, Phil. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Um, this... Uh, episode was uh, a little crazy, had a few jokes in it. It was about a cat show. Did you enjoy it? I enjoy anything involving Salem. Uh, I thought this was one of the better episodes gag-wise, if not plot-wise. But uh, yeah, I laughed a lot. And to my right is Mr Chris Evans. Did you enjoy this episode? Uh, it was alright. Did you Did you agree with Graham? It was a bit thin on the plot, but heavy on Salem. Yeah, thin on the plot, heavy on Salem. And I think they missed a, uh, a, a brilliant... Brilliant point. Okay, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, bring that up it's, uh, when we get to it. So, yeah, this episode is episode 19, Cat Showdown. For those who have forgotten already from last week, uh, this episode revolves around both Sabrina not having any allowance left and Salem maxing out his credit card. And How does a cat get a credit card? It, well, he explains that. And, uh, yeah, so they, they've got no means of money, so they enter a cat competition to win the best cat competition and win 500 bucks. To pay off their debts and uh, get, well, to get them out of debt, really. Pay <laughs> their debts and get, get them out of debt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's two different. Like, no, it's the same. No, thing. it's the exact same thing. <laughs> That's what we mean when we said thin on plot. <laughs> it's just that they just need a means to earn money, and money's good. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so like we say, this features a lot of Salem. Would you say this is the best uh, Salem-orientated episode so far? No, we've not had many strictly just Salem, but... No, it's not. In terms of content for Salem, do you think this is the best so far? It's still Salem in a car, Salem's ex. That, that's still my favourite one. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. nothing will trump driving the car and spitting mouthwash out. No. <laughs> just come close, though, yeah. to, to spit something else out. Um, yeah, Chris, do you agree, disagree about sort of yeah, Salem it, episodes? It, no, Sa- Salem singing, Salem driving a car, and Salem's ex-girlfriend, and Salem and the new. Yes, so uh, yeah, so we've started to meet Salem's friends. This is uh, Salem just being a cat, really, and getting really into his life as a cat. Yeah. Uh, so it's an interesting side to see Salem, one that we've not seen a whole episode dedicated to. So it's good. And I would say about plot thing wise, it just revolves around them really entering a cat competition, which tends, which ends up being corrupt. So yeah. it's. Again, considering the last sort of six episodes we've had have been really daft, really stupid, really magical, this one's probably the least magical episode 
um, for a while, if not yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, but we're going to crack into it. We've already we've not painted a very good picture for it. But it's a good episode. It's got some good jokes in it, some good cast, some good supporting cast, and it's got a Salem in it. So why wouldn't you want to enjoy it? Uh, so, episode 19, Cat Showdown. The episode opens up in the school corridor, and a panicked Sabrina is on the phone, hoping someone is at home to pick it up. Luckily, a sneezy Hilda is, who reluctantly picks up the phone. It turns out that Sabrina has left her history book on the kitchen counter. So Hilda tries to magically ping it to her. However, she sneezes during it and transports the book to the middle of a desert. Which is, again, as we've as we've said many times before, and it's definitely true, Harry Potter and Sabrina are the same universe. Yes. And when you are travelling via the flu network, via the fireplace teleporting, if you misspeak when you're saying where you want to go, you end up in the wrong place. So it's, it's similar to that. Yes. Yeah. So I like to think that uh, J.K. Rowling was, even though she spent obviously years and years and years writing these books, I like to think that something she took from Sabrina. Perhaps so, yeah. Maybe. So yes, yeah, so she pings it in uh, into the middle of the desert where they they filmed a book falling in some sand and then sort of superimposed. That's I can think of the word superimposed it on a ba- some stock footage of a man on a camel, an Arabian gentleman on a camel yeah. through the desert. But you can just see the outside of the vat of sand and the book that they've yeah. put in. But yeah, no, it was very cool. I think it's it's again they didn't need to do it, but they found a way to do it. It's so. one of those moments where you think that was someone's job. Someone's there were, it was someone's job. To find the right colour of sand <laughs> for the book to be dropped into. Yeah. And go, listen, listen, Nell, sorry, I've spent so many hours traipsing through all this stock footage of a desert and the, God, the, the red is off. It's, we are like, I can't do it. And I think I think with a bit of faith, he managed to pull off a, yeah. a good sort of opening. Oh yeah, 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 it matched quite well. But that was someone's <laughs> job. Someone's job was to get the colour scheme and the chroma key perfect of all this sand. What if Hilda sneezed and not just transported it to another place, but another time as well? And then they picked it up and learnt how to speak English and figured out what was going to happen in the future. Because he was sent back to the past. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, guys riding around the desert on camels, that's been going on for centuries. Yeah. So who's, who's to say that it was contemporary Sahara Desert that um, it was transported to? Yeah. Maybe she's written stuff in a book about Salem, and that's why they look at cats like gods. Because they believe all cats can talk. Maybe. Shit. That's wow. cool, isn't it? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we go to the titles, and she's dressed as a... Flamenco dancer, is he? Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was more like um, uh, Western... Oh, um, saloon. Uh, yeah, saloon girl. Saloon girl, saloon girl. Saloon girl. yeah. Yeah, possibly. Maybe. We, we couldn't really decide. She just says, really, this is my biggest fan. And then pulls out, pulls out a, a big fan. fan. Not an extractor fan, like an old-fashioned, like, you know, lady in a big dress, you know, sort of keeping herself um, cool. Fan. Yeah. So, whether she was a flamenco dancer or a saloon girl... Who cares? <laughs> we, we don't know, and the joke doesn't work for either profession. Uh, well, so, uh, let's swiftly move on. Uh, we're in the school cafeteria, and Sabrina and Harvey are discussing English class. Sabrina annoyed that they have to read 1984, uh, because Orwell got so much wrong. Well, that's not the fucking point, is it, Sabrina? Plus, you didn't really get it wrong, it was just the wrong time. As, yeah. al- as always, though, the joke is that Sabrina's being dumb. Dumber than Harvey, which D- is a joke in which itself. Which saying something, yeah. yeah. Harvey's not dumb, we've established this. He won a game of chess. <laughs> yep. He did, yeah. He won a rigged game of chess. Well done. Well done, lad. Suddenly a complete stranger comes 
the table. We've not seen her form, probably won't see her again. Uh, selling tickets to the sophomore end of term trip to Funland for 40 bucks a pop. Ouch. And neither Harvey or Sabrina have that kind of dough. Sabrina admits that she blew all of her allowance buying crap, so she'll never be able to borrow that cash off Hilda and Zelda. And Harvey, I guess, is just... Well, his parents don't care about him, so they're not going to give him any money. money. Yeah. If he he went to their front room and went, Mom, Dad, can I borrow some cash? to be like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Is it to buy sports equipment? No. Well, no, then. No, fuck you. Same with one of my flatmates um, in uni. He always ran out of money. He used to splash out going to the casino and going to bars. He used to just ring his parents and go, I need more money. She's like, why do you need 300 more pounds? And he used to just say, books. (laughs) And lo and behold, his parents always sent him an extra, like, a couple of hundred quid a month. Um, Yeah, always used to buy books. And, um, yeah, he got quite the rollicking when his mum didn't see 700 pounds worth of books. (laughs) What a bloke. Um, Yeah, so they don't have that money between them, so... Looks like they're not going to Funland, guys, and it sounds so much fun. Yeah, but you you got to think, chaps. If you want to go to Alton Towers now, it's like 50 quid each. Mm. It's an absolute fucking rip-off. It is. And you might die. <laughs> yeah. 40 quid, though. Well, $40. $40, so each. that's the equivalent of about 35 quid in 1997. Yeah. So it's that's still really expensive. I really hope it includes a coach and a pat lunch. Maybe that'd make it worth know. it a bit oh, more. I, don't I, would, I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. So at the Spellman's house, Salem is ordering stuff from a catalogue, or at least trying to, because the lady on the phone tells him his credit card has maxed out. This made Chris very angry. He didn't notice it at first. I pointed it out. He had a massive rager. Uh, Absolute. F- just okay. So Salem's on the phone, which I've established he 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 just does. He does. He could use his poor or his face to press the buttons or or a pencil or a pencil. We've seen him with a pencil in his mouth doing the on the laptop. So I've accepted Salem can use the phone or a laptop. What I cannot accept is when the woman on the other end of the phone hangs up. We hear a beep of Salem hanging up, but it doesn't fucking move. Yeah. Doesn't does it? It's a goat. Maybe the button was just stuck, and he pressed it before, and it's just no. No, maybe the puppet doesn't have moving arms. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe that's that's the more real. All it would take, all it all all it would have taken was there to be uh, a pencil or a pen, or him to move slightly, or to duck his head down, and I would have been okay. I mean, it still doesn't make sense. I would have been okay. It doesn't make sense, but even if a, his paw kind of just went up and down. Yeah, at least it, that it, moves. At least they attempted. His paw on a string. Yeah. yeah, at least they would have attempted something. So three minutes in, Chris is already angry. Spoiler alert, he's giving this three out of ten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, he's maxed out his credit card. He begs Sabrina kind of for money. She's just shocked and upset to hear that Salem had a credit card, because she wants to bum money off him he was buying uh, a shoe buffer by the way <laughs> that, that he was yeah. yeah like well he was ordering other stuff and he went oh and I would like to add that shoe buffer <laughs> onto my order so as he bought shoes as well <laughs> maybe yeah. Yeah. Awesome. maybe he's hoping somehow some way the forces will conspire to make him human again and then he can wear those shoes and buff yeah. them some, uh, some nice heels um, she says that they're both doomed and will just have to get jobs damn skippy you're going to have to get jobs uh, suddenly a knock at the door and we finally meet after god how many 19, 18 episodes we finally meet Dirk the Mailman this is one of the most enduring storylines 
<laughs> it's, we've we've heard about Dirk since the start of the show. They're more committed to keeping alive Zelda and Dirk's relationship than Harvey and Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, and this is the first time we see Dirk, and the first time like they actually interact. And yeah, they're, yeah, they're committed to this relationship. Wonder if it goes anywhere afterwards. But we finally meet Dirk the Mailman, uh, the pesky scamp that has been showering Zelda with affection since the start of the series. Yeah. Uh, now Dirk has got a bit of a recognisable face, especially if you're a fan of some sitcoms. But it's his voice, if anything. Yeah, he's played by a man. I presume his name is pronounced Bill Fargabacker. Uh, however, I mean a lot of Americans can't pronounce their own names because they <laughs> yeah. don't speak the language that they come from. Um, so who knows what he calls himself? Scarlett Johansson calls herself Scarlett Johansson, for example. Idiot. Yeah. But um, the, uh, but yeah, he played Marshall's dad in How I Met Your Mother, so that's where his face may be known from. Marvin, How... I think his name is. Yeah, Marvin. Marvin. However, uh, the voice uh, is... Well, he puts on a slightly different voice, obviously, but um, he voiced Patrick Starr in um, all the series of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, and obviously SpongeBob is still not as big as it is now that it was, but, you know, in the early 2000s stuff, it was huge SpongeBob. Oh, yeah, and he's Patrick Starr, several movies, several seasons of it, so... Yeah, so a nice, nice sort of celeb. Yeah. I think nice star to have in. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's Dirk. He interrogates Zelda about why she felt the need to chat to a FedEx guy earlier in the week, expressing his distrust because mail shouldn't travel that fast. <laughs> I, really, I really like that. I really like his sort of romantic jealousy um, being sort of uh, transposed into the world of, uh, of mail. <laughs> yeah. so. But in terms of mail travelling that fast... We we were it was demonstrated how fast FedEx travels in the film Castaway. Of course, oh, Tom oh. Hanks <laughs> and how dangerous it is! <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> Tom Hanks himself sends himself a package, then gets on a plane to I can't even remember where he goes. Maybe China to one yeah. of the distributors yeah. or something, and the package arrives when he's giving his presentation of how awesome FedEx is yeah. and how quick it travels. And at this point, it was like, Castaway was around that time. It was late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's, he's speaking the truth, guys. He is, exactly. He's yeah. speaking the truth. I would not trust a package to arrive a place that I'm travelling to at the same time. It, it's it's other, inhuman. Other than in a film that was clearly sponsored by FedEx. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would very much like to rewatch um, Castaway in hopes of when people are hearing about the news of this FedEx plane crashing, there's just this character in the background with this awful mullet wearing a mailroom outfit rubbing his hands going... <laughs> <laughs> and it's Dirk sort of... Uh, <laughs> Just, just in absolute awe of how much of a catastrophe FedEx is. So he's he's right to be suspicious. Um, so yeah, he uh, Zelda finally shuts the door on the creep in the shorts. Uh, Zelda tells Hilda in the kitchen that she wishes she could just let him down so gently. So Hilda suggests a new perfume that apparently repels love. And she read about it in Modern Witch magazine. Somewhere between disdain and corruption lies revulsion. Actually, let, let me read that again. Somewhere between disdain revulsion. Hilda wants her to buy some, but it's only available at the Full Moon Beauty Supply. And that, of course, is only open once a month. To which Hilda says, when is it? Meanwhile, we head back upstairs and Sabrina and Salem are reading the jobs pages in the newspaper. 
Suddenly, Salem notices a cat show competition where the winner gets $500. Looking in the jobs page, there are loads and loads of jobs in loads and loads of different careers because America in the late 90s was enjoying an economic boom under Bill Clinton. So, plentiful jobs in America is this week's That's So 90s. Please continue, Greg. Um, well, just just to say that America had a terrible economic collapse, obviously, as uh, much of the Western world did in um, 2008. And since then, the employment situation has been pretty dire in much of America. Um, but the late 90s, particularly now, now things are so terrible because I've not I've never fully picked up from that crash. Yeah, it really is considered a boom time, much as it is in uh, this country as well, under the early years of uh, New Labour. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah halcyon days when if you're unemployed, I'll, like, I'll just get another job. Yeah, and there's loads in this really vague job since she looks at one and goes like, oh, a computer analyst. Oh just yeah, system analyst. System analyst. Yeah, good system, bad system. I could do that. Job. <laughs> yeah, so. And back then she probably could have done. They probably would have trained her. They wouldn't do that now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, well there we go. I mean, I don't know much about the uh, job boom. Do you know much about that, Chris? About jobs there, in the nineties? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was plentiful jobs, and now there isn't. And now there isn't. <laughs> that's all you need to know. That's so, all you need to know. That and that's. I it. mean, it started in the eighties when uh, when they started shutting down uh, sort of uh, manual labour places, you know, coal mines, things of that nature, yep. so they had to find, uh, well, well, white collar jobs, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's where we got. Yeah. Uh, systems, analysts, computers, technology, it was all coming through the forefront. It was about that time, so that's that's how the jobs were created, because yeah. they invested in technological advancements. But now all that shit is automated, so now they don't even need anybody to analyse the systems, because the systems fail, they can analyse themselves. Mind blown. Yes. Can you say that this is the first That's So 90s where we can look at it, well, not necessarily us, but Americans can look at it quite fondly and be like, oh, do you remember when everyone had jobs? I don't know if fondly is the word. I think looking back 20 years and thinking things were so much better than look at where we are now is just... <laughs> but, um, <laughs> to quote a sailor there. Yeah. Um, so there we go, yeah. The uh, the, e- sort of the economic job boom of the late 90s of America is this week's That's So 90s. Anyway, as I say, Salem uh, notices a cat show competition where the winner gets $500. So Sabrina magics in an application form. And I don't know if you guys notice this, for some reason the scene speeds up. Does well, it? Yeah, she gets up and goes to the application form and the scene speeds up by about like half a click. No, I didn't. Really know that. weird. Oh. Like getting it in for time. But so, yeah, whatever reason why. Maybe they were trying to make up some time from that awkward standstill from the last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they carried over, didn't they? Uh, anyway, Sabrina starts filling in the form, and it's then we learn that Salem's surname isn't uh, Spellman, as he says, listen, I'm, I... I'm your pet, not your family. That's right, yeah. He has his own surname, and his surname is Saberhagen. Again, probably pronounced Saberhagen, so again, Americans can't pronounce their own names. <laughs> Um, but it is the surname that Salem has in the comics where his sort of supervillain past is a bit more sort of focused upon. So I think any anybody who I don't know was already a fan of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the comic before the TV series came along, probably would have really enjoyed that uh, that moment. Yeah. Not only that, but Saberhagen, that is a supervillain's oh, yes. name. Yeah. That is that is that is just prime. Yeah. That's that's a like a James Bond esque yes. name like Ah Saberhagen. We meet again. Yeah. So Saberhagen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely a Connery villain. Salem Saberhagen. Salem Saberhagen. I'll stop you whatever the cost. <laughs> Even though you are a pushy cat. 
Salem Saberhagen, shall we take a walk on the sandy beaches? <laughs> <laughs> the Sabrina's notebook. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a camel. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, enough Sean Conneryisms. Uh, so yes, indeed, his name is Shalem Schaberhagen. Uh, he also says he's an American short hair, and darn proud of it as well. And we're back to let's make America great again. Yes. Uh, we cut to the cat show venue and Harvey goes to sign Salem in. Um, very confused as to why Salem's got a surname. I was very confused as to why Harvey was even there in the fucking first place. Well, he's, he's supporting his girlfriend... Cat. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. It's she doesn't really satisfactorily, if that's a word, explain. You know, to Harvey, to people who don't know that this is a human in cat form, why a cat has a, any surname, particularly not hers. Yeah. Oh, no, and, no, no, no. And, and a complicated one. It's not like his name's like Salem Smith or it's Salem Saberhagen. No. When when we book our cats into the uh, vets, it's they have our last name. Right. I see. But he doesn't have her last name. <laughs> no, no. You don't fill out their surnames on the census, do you, when that comes round? Well, not on the census. That's for humans. <laughs> if there was a cat census, then yes, I would. <laughs> and you'd probably put your surname on it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I... I, I it's, my, my cat's not called Cooper Jones. It's Cooper Evans. That's, that's it's just the way the world works. Yeah. You adopt a cat, you adopt a grandparent, they get your last name. Yeah. It just reminds me of just to say about the census. There was a news story um, a few years ago where um, a, a, a census came round, and a woman, a, a woman that lived on her own, she put her cat on the census as well. Anyway, six months down the line, her cat had to do jury service. <laughs> <laughs> and there's pictures of the courtroom, and there's this cat just no, just no, no, which country did this happen in? It was in America. No, even even, even then, even then. No, that's bullshit. No, that is bullshit. No, we'll, fi- we'll find it. I'll show you. Sal's a scaredy cat. You see, he's trying to avoid jury duty. Yes, you heard right. Sal's been called. And I read the whole thing, and I said, "Oh my God, how could he? How could he go with a cat?" I said, "Sal, what? what? What's this? You know, I can't believe it. I was shocked." Probably do meow for the answer. Anna thinks she knows the source of the mix-up. Sal really is a member of the family, so on the last census form, she listed him under pets. So I just wrote Sal Esposito, scratch out the dog, and wrote cat. Sal can't use the computer, so Anna filed for his disqualification of service. He's not too old or ill or convicted felon, so she chose the most obvious reason. Sal can't speak English. But the jury commissioner is unmoved. Request denied. And I said, well, mommy's in a lot of trouble now. <laughs> she went to the vet and got this letter stating, this is to confirm that Sal Esposito is a domestic, short-haired, neutered feline. Granted, he loves crime shows. He knows right and wrong. But justice should not rest in his paws. Harvey goes to sign Salem in again, confused as to why uh, it's uh, Saberhagen, uh, while Sabrina pops the muggy into a cage. Sabrina's a little anxious about openly talking to Salem in public, but once she notices that everyone is doing that, she's okay with it. Uh, a woman with a Burmese called Duke rocks up flashing off her ribbons. Again, not a euphemism. Uh, I spy a nemesis chaps because she's very snobby and showing off her... Uh, her accomplishments in the uh, the old cat showdown ring. Salem is disgusted in Duke because apparently he's wearing whisker extensions. Yes, uh, yeah, they very much sort of portray the cat um, 
sort of beauty contest circuit is similarly bitchy and shallow as the the um, you know the beauty pageant yeah. um, circuit. Yeah, we get a few stereotypes that sort of uh, appear as the episode uh, progresses. But uh, yeah, whisker extensions. Uh, Chris, as a cat owner, is that a thing or is that just a gag? It's a gag. <laughs> Thank you for that confirmation. <laughs> Our uh, pussycat correspondent there. Um, so Sabrina is number 38 and Channel 8 news guy Bob Gordon is the judge. He goes over the rules while Sabrina brushes Salem, who in turn becomes one of Bob's favourite American short hairs because of his excellent bone structure and bemused expression, which is very good. It's a very well-behaved cat as well, as he's, he's holding it like... I don't know, like a, a baguette or something. Is it like just this really long, stretched-out animal holding it up with two hands? It, it, it's, as, it's as if it was Rafiki holding up a baguette on uh, Lion Rock. Yeah, it yeah. was, I guess. That yeah. famous scene from The Lion King where he holds up the baguette. The <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. bread has returned. But, um, yeah, um, the cat Salem, I don't know if it's always the same cat or not, but actual cat Salem rather than animatronic Salem, is yeah really good, really well trained. I mean, we saw him drive a car. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, on his own. <laughs> yeah, on his own. Um, he kicked off a bit, didn't he, uh, when Serena picked him up that time? Yeah. But for the most part, he's very, very docile and always does what's required of him. Yeah. Of course, we don't know how many takes it took. So we're going to talk about Bob Gordon. Uh, obviously, that's not his real name. He's just the character. But who plays our Channel Eight news guy? Uh, Mr. Dan Florek. Uh, well, um, a frequent face on TV in various minor roles over the years, but. Uh, his most uh, enduring role and best-known role uh, was as a character named Donald Cragen in both Law and Order and its spin-off Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Yes, and how many episodes was he in that for? Um, well over 400. 400 episodes yeah. of an American TV show. Like Law and Order, well, which is Big be- uh, Big Beal. Big Ian Beal. <laughs> like EastEnders. <laughs> which is a big deal. I meant to... <laughs> I'm keeping Big Beal in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fan of Law and Order. Can't say I've ever watched it. I, I, I can't either. I've watched a few episodes of Law and Order UK with Bradley Walsh. Oh yeah, yeah and, and Jamie Bamber, his Jamie, wife was and in. Jamie Bamber, his wife was in an earlier episode. That was, that was pretty shit. Yeah, yeah. I might have to watch it now and just see if uh, there's any episodes where a cat has been brought to justice. <laughs> <laughs> so that'd be fun. Um, uh, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Over 400 episodes. Yes. Yeah. So if we take that as 400 episodes, okay. And if, that, if we take, yeah, if we take <laughs> the number that it is as the number that it is, <laughs> well, we said over yeah. 400. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you said over. So if yeah. we say 400, and we say there's 20 episodes a season, how many fucking seasons is that? Simple maths, people, come on. Well, Tip- Law and Order, the original series, has run about 15 years or something, and S- an SVU. I don't see how he's abbreviated oh, it, hasn't yeah, he? He's yeah. a he fan. knows, he knows. That's how it's abbreviated on TV listings. <laughs> um, yeah. SVU uh, seems to have been, I mean, I don't really know either series very well, but seems to have been around for a long time too. So if you add his cumulative appearances over both series, you probably could get yeah, him. Yeah, he, he, in in he was in every show. That so is ra- just an insane amount of time to be spending on, on, a, on a TV show. Yeah, if I remember rightly, shit. he was in 70 episodes of Law and Order. Uh, between something like 95, 97 or so, and then from like 99 to 2015, Oof. he was in um, the other 330 episodes or yeah. so. Yeah, goodness me. So, yeah. Well done. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, well done, Mr. Florek. Well, yeah. well done for holding a job. <laughs> yes, well done. As well, it's, it's the... It's the job boom in the 1997, wasn't it? Yeah. He applied, he went, seeking actor for law and order, and he was like, a lot of people, doing that. Because a lot of people who got their jobs in the 90s still have them. It's just... The new 
people, anyone who loses their job, anybody who's coming into the employment world can't get a steady job now. Yeah. So he got on the horse in the uh, in the late 90s and he's ridden that horse right up to now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well done, Dan, lad. Um, so, uh, yeah, he announces that Salem is one of his favourite American short hairs. Uh, then a parade of semi-finalists begins, with all the other contestants trying to psych each other out. They all take turns uh, parading themselves and their pussies. Yeah. Harvey asks Sabrina if he can take off because he's bored out of his school, bless him. Uh, they kind of hug and he then leaves. So, again, still, Chris, calm down. Uh, we still don't have this. They've kissed a couple of episodes ago. And they didn't kiss really in public. Maybe it's just a, a private thing. Maybe yeah. kiss and cuddling is just what they do when they're alone. It's not, yeah, it's but hardly I'm hardly a date, is it? No. I'm, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not getting worked up about this because I, I now know that they are in a relationship. That's so, good. So that's it's okay. like that's progress, Chris. That's a step forward. Well, I'm really proud. It's of a you. step forward because they took a fucking step <laughs> forward. All right. Yeah. No, no, they're in a relationship. I know that. That is fact. It's fine. Any form of affection or expression of love to one another will go on as normal. Good, or we'll enjoy the next episode then. Anyway, uh, Bob Gordon announces that he will now be conducting one-on-one interviews with the pet owners. Not the cats themselves, that'd be weird. Uh, Thus asking Sabrina what Salem's temperament is like. He says he's very friendly, very focused and power mad, she says. Sounds about right. Uh, Sabrina continues to impress Bob Gordon with a trick, claiming that Salem is very good with numbers, answering simple multiplication questions. That's amazing, Bob Gordon says, but I'm afraid we only judge on appearance. Ah, isn't that life, Sabrina says. And that is a burn clearly to all us all sexist pigs. Not just sexist pigs, just people in general I mean you know machine. Yeah. You, are, you are more likely to get a job if you are attractive that is yeah, just fact that's, you know if you if you are attractive or have an attractive cat you will win the competition is what Bob is, is uh, saying despite him being in awe of Salem's uh, math skills um, we then get a montage of all the contestants receiving their best of ribbons including the character who we saw in the background a couple of times uh, who who does he resemble, Graham? Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of um, Sean Connery era James Bond, he resembles Ernst Stavro Blofeld, <laughs> complete does. with uh, his uh, bald head, uh, disfigured um, eye, and a white cat. Yeah, and he presents to him like the best of show, and he just goes. <laughs> so it's clear we know what he does at his days off when James Bond isn't interfering with his schemes. Yeah, he is. Um, at, he's travelled to Greater Boston for the uh, yeah cat showdown competition. It's nice. I, I like to hear about villains um, yeah, in, their and, down, uh, in their downtime. Yeah, and I wonder if him and Salem knew each other. Yeah, well, maybe that's that's an interesting. I wonder if he knew what became of Salem. Yeah. Whether he knows that he's sharing the room with uh, one of his fellow villains. So. Yeah, that'd make a great comic. <laughs> that would. Yeah. Uh, so the adventures of Salem and Blowfell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, see, doesn't it doesn't it make you excited just hearing it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daniel Craig says he's going to do one more James Bond film and he wants to go out with a bang. Maybe that's where he needs to go. Yeah. The Adventures of Salem and Blowfell. (laughs) Yeah! I mean, it needs to be sort of a a catchier title. World Domination with Blowfeld and Salem. Yeah. Revulsion. That should be the next James Bond film. Yeah, that would work. Who'd sing Revulsion? Salem. (laughs) (laughs) Nip Nip Bacardi. We continue the montage, again, give him to Blofeld, his uh, best of ribbon, which he's overjoyed about. Uh, one cat fucking ducks out of the way when Bob awards it a ribbon, frantically. <laughs> uh, finally, what we've been waiting for, Salem is awarded the best American short hair, and darn proud of it. 
Meanwhile, back at the Spellmans, and Hilda and Zelda are taking a trip through the linen closet, seemingly trying to get a bottle of the elusive revulsion, after Dirk um, has apparently attacked the UPS man. Yeah, Dirk is... Um... He's on Magic Jewel territory right yeah, now. Yeah, he's, 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 he's definitely crossed the Rubicon here. It's Yeah, it's a bit... A bit much. I, I mean, I know the the phrase going postal, but... <laughs> yes. Yes, Chris. May I say, that's your best gag yet. They arrive in the luxurious full moon beauty salon run by a very Asian woman who shows Hilda a magic mirror who shows the wielder at their very best. A very Asian woman? On a scale of Asian to very Asian. (laughs) Very Asian. (laughs) A very Asian on the theme. Um, What I mean by that is, I looked up, she's she's an American Asian actress, but she's very sort of like, you want this, you want that. It's a stereotypical version of what America would see as an Asian shop owner. That, that's what yeah. I, that's what I mean. Yeah, so I that. know that's what you mean, but you expressed it in a very not in a very Asian way. <laughs> oh god! Yeah. In a yeah, sort of pushy kind of way. Yeah, this is clearly a. a um, I'm afraid we didn't catch names. She only had a very small role, but um, yeah, a uh, Asian American actress who's clearly being told to put on a bit of a comedy foreign accent. Yeah, it's a bit uncomfortable. It's not full on like racist because at least they actually cast an Asian actor. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit. Uh, it's a bit of a grey. One of that grey area. Yeah, grey area. Um, yeah, it's a grey area that you can get away with in the 90s. Yeah. Now, not so much. If you had a racial compass, a bit like the moral compass in uh, the uh, in an earlier episode, it would be it would be wavering in the middle here. Yeah. Hilda is presented a magic mirror which apparently shows the wielder at their very best. Obviously, she's flattered by her own reflection as she says that she looks ravishing, I think. Her reflection in the mirror sort of compliments her and that's what's good. No, Hilda, Zelda says, you can't buy self-esteem. Yes, you can, and it's on sale. So she buys two. The shopkeeper also recommends wrinkle berries that iron out your face and other parts, she says. But she says it in a sort of, hmm, and other parts. Yeah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. What other parts does she mean? Well, um, my first thought was scrotum. Uh, but they're both women, so it's probably not that. But I, I am aware that a uh, women of a certain age, uh, obviously Hilda and Zelda will be approaching that age, get a... Get wrinkles in their uh, decollage. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's again, that's not really sort of. I don't know if they're kind of like, mm, you know. Yeah, places. all the places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is she talking about a wrinkled arse here? I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> talking about. I was making a logical step to to my uh, my outcome. Well, no, that, that, that's yeah. That is somewhere we have wrinkles, and indeed, like anti wrinkle cream supposedly um, targets your decollage as well. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, let's just say all the places. Was, yeah. It's very, it's it's an obvious sort of dirty dig, isn't it? Like it's a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just don't know what it exactly it means. Balls, bits, bum. Yeah, it could be I, anything. I it? Hilda walks over to some stress mints, wondering if they work. But Zelda warns her of the sign that says "No samples," to which she obviously ignores and subsequently transforms into a dwarf. It's worth mentioning, though, that, again, rather than, even though they probably did have the effects to make Hilda look realistically shrunken, they instead, in a bit of incredible casting, brought in uh, Susan Racito, who really does look a lot like Hilda as a dwarf. Yeah. And um, a little research told us that Miss Racito also appeared in... Uh, Batman Returns as uh, one of the uh, penguins, uh, <laughs> Emperor Penguin. Shit off! Yeah. yeah, her most notable role is playing an Emperor Penguin in Batman Returns. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that was about this time, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That well, was a, a little before, but yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a big break, uh, wasn't it? I just want to put this out there. Um, Peter Dinklage, you are doing a, an amazing job at making sure that dwarf actors are not being stereotypically put in these roles. Well done. Warwick Davis, you're a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back at the cat show, and Sabrina is settling Salem down for the night, as he has to remain there. So he's equipped with milk and a copy of The Economist. Sabrina leaves just as Bob Gordon is about to lock up when suddenly he gets a phone call. On the other end is a mystery person that's threatening to blackmail him with a deeply incriminating photo of him. What was your first thoughts about what this incriminating photo of well, Bob Gordon could be? I mean, usually incriminating photos are of a lewd nature, possibly a sexual nature. Yeah. Um, An adulterous picture or something. Yeah, but since this is a kid's show, I knew it would be something silly, as indeed it proves to be. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted the picture to be uh, something... Well, something that we're all familiar with in, in Britain of a, uh, a figure of power being caught in a leather jacket and a bra being noshed off by a prostitute. Yeah, or him yeah. fucking a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, that. Yeah, that would have been... That would, that would have been a, an awful blackmail, wouldn't yeah. it? I was, ho- I was secretly hoping the photo... I mean, we learn obviously uh, what it is actually later, but I was hoping it was just him holding a sign that says, I like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dog person well, or something. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a lot better than doing a line of coke off a prostitute's ass. Yeah, of course it Well, of course it is. Yeah. A good hobby, but yeah, not when you get caught. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Yeah, so Bob Gordon, finding this incriminating photo in his briefcase, he panics, demands what they want, and demands that they destroy the negatives, and their cat will be awarded best in show, uh, causing a Salem to spit his milk out in another fantastic display of... Water exiting Salem's mouth. (laughs) Yeah, again, I said this with the mouthwash. I like to think that under the table, um, there's just... The one of the puppeteers has just got a mouthful of milk and they've <coughs> spat it out of his arsehole, uh, <laughs> flying out of his mouth in glorious fashion. <laughs> that puppet has an arsehole. <laughs> well, well, how else, how else is the milk milk? <laughs> just, just the idea that the puppet's anatomically correct is just hilarious. <laughs> of course, like, just, it's just, it's like that. Do you remember that fucking little baby in the 90s that you could get, you could feed it and it'd shake? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just got Salem. It's just like, and we're just gonna give it some milk, and it fucking shits. <laughs> and there's a person underneath. Person underneath. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna make, mate, boys. If I'm investing in this show for 163 episodes, I want my puppets to be accurate. I I expect that cat to have its own arsehole. Even, <laughs> even Ken dolls aren't anatomically correct. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, this is Salem, not a Ken doll. So, uh, yeah, so after uh, Salem spits uh, spits milk out, generously donated by a member of the crew, um, he realises that, yes, the uh, this incriminating photo will lead to the competition being fixed. Uh, what's on the photograph? We will find out soon. Sabrina returns and Salem informs her of what's just happened. Sabrina heads into the back room to inspect the photo, which shocks her too. However, Bob Gordon returns because he left his phone and notices the office door open because he was sure he locked it. Salem does his usual meow, meow, meow to uh, sort of alert Sabrina to the oncoming peril. The second best Salem nurse. Causing Sabrina to panic and transform herself into a cat to avoid detection. A beautiful blonde kitty. Bob Gordon scoops her up and pops her in the cage next to Salem. 
Sabrina panics about not being able to use her magic. However, luckily, Hilda and Zelda both arrive and enter the unlocked venue, which I'm sure he said he was leaving and locking. Yeah. Not very good with a safety here, especially in a room full of people's prized possessions. Uh, they scoop Sabrina out of the cage and transform her back into a human. Well, not at first. Her face just becomes superimposed on a cat's body, and she turns back into normal, and the three Spellman gals head home. More um, amazing transformation uh, cat back into Sabrina. Sabrina's head superimposed on a cat, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> but she does, the, the cat kind of eventually becomes uh, Sabrina in Beth Broderick's outstretched arms. And you yeah. can see Beth Broderick kind of shaking. It makes me think, did she actually hold Sabrina in her arms? <laughs> like, Maybe. For a bit of this transformation. She's definitely wobbly on her feet. Or the cat was ferocious. Could, could be. Could very well be. The cat does lose its mind a little bit later on. Uh, back at the home, and Sabrina is coughing up another hairball. Typical. Uh, the Spellmans chat about how to unravel this mystery, realising that finding the blackmailer is the key to solving it. Hmm, this is where we could really do with Dan Floric's skills in Law and Order, really. Yeah. Luckily, Zelda uses a reverse angle to spell to find out who is on the flip reverse of the photo, like something out of CSI. They would literally have a piece of kit for that, yeah. don't they? We've seen this before. Uh, they notice that though the photographer has their face and body cloaked, they are actually missing a part of their index finger. So that's how they plan to find the culprit. Have they ever had that on something like Midsummer Murders? Or, oh, I'm sure they have. Or CSI, where the culprit is someone with a very identifiable trait. As we know, all disfigured people are monsters. So, yes, uh, and keep cats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it would make sense. So we, don't, we, we don't have David Caruso here. <laughs> no. Make a quick, and then we go... Aah! <laughs> <laughs> cat show and Sabrina is off to play detective. She first shakes the hand of snobby Mrs. Erickson but she ain't showing off her hands so she can't really get a judge. Uh, next is a chap in a cap wearing a grooming mitten but won't shake a hand so we don't know about his fingers. Uh, finally she approaches a strange lady called Haley, who refuses to even expose her hand never mind touch someone. Okay chaps. Yes. <coughs> Rubbing his hands we've got something uh, tasty to talk about. Okay. So she, those are the three people that she approaches. Yes. They are the three prime suspects. Fucking Blofeld. Blofeld hasn't shown any signs of um, villainy. Uh, I, I'm sorry. In another universe, yeah. In another franchise. Uh, no, 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 no. If I was there, if I wanted to find out who the blackmailer was, he'd be top of the fucking list. He looks evil as shit. That's very prejudiced against people balding people with cats and scars on the face. Uh, balding people with cats and scars, as well as maniacal laughs when they win. That wasn't yeah, maniacal. Okay. That was that was maniacal. That was a laugh of delight. That was a laugh of maniacalism. Did you not see how overjoyed he was to get it that was river? menacing. It was menacing, is what it was. Yeah. Fair. He would be top of my list. And you want to know something as well? He didn't have his hands covered. So he would have been written off immediately. So, boom. I would have done my job if I was investigating it. I would have seen him. He was a suspect. I would have written him off instantly like that. Why was he not even on the list? He was there in the room. It could have been him. Oh, my God. Sabrina, Harry Potter and James Bond are all the same universe. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is... Because he really is Blofeld. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Hopefully we'll see a more... more crossovers like this. This would yeah, be well, I want Scaramanga to show up. <laughs> three nipples. I would have loved to have seen Jaws as Dirk the Mailman. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been better. 
So she's unable to correctly identify who she thinks will be the culprit because no one is showing off their fingers. Uh, Hilda and Zelda arrive and in an effort to make everyone expose those fingers, they produce mini quiches because no one can resist them. I'll tell you who, someone who can uh, resist quiches is me. I'm not a fan. You're not a fan of quiche? Not a fan of the quiche. Yeah. what's in the quiche. You yeah. Put basically anything in a quiche. Yeah, uh, yeah but I- I'm not a fan of the whole broccoli quiche. I'll give you that. I'll tell you that. I'm not a fan of the weird, broccoli yeah. and spinach quiche. Mm. Yeah. Spinach, uh, spinach and cheese, that's all right. Uh, yeah, and tomato cheese is all right. Uh, the Lorraine. Yeah, that's always in. nice. That, uh, but the, my favourite one has got to be the, the the cheese and bacon, definitely. Tell yeah. you what we should do. Normally, before we record each episode, we have a bacon butty, don't we? Well, yeah. Maybe we should bring a couple of quiches and kind of a little quiche palette for me and, and for us too. But we'd also we'd also like to know as well what what's your favourite quiche. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, uh, if if, um, if uh, you uh, would like to uh, tell us, hit us up on uh, on Twitter at Sabrina Watch and. Uh, Hashtag quiche. Or hashtag QA. We're quiche and an answer. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we want. Why not? <laughs> Uh, Hilda and Zelda produce these mini quiches and they're right as everyone gets their hands out to grab a quiche and it turns out that all three of her prime suspects have missing index fingers. Um, and they've all got missing fingers to do with really obscure reasons. Uh, one of them yeah. was in a farming accident. Yeah. And the weird lady Haley, uh, she used to keep Wolverines. Yeah, <laughs> I'd just shoot Jackman in a cage. <laughs> yeah. Get away from me! <laughs> I like to think you, Jackman, took a finger up. <laughs> uh, but not one to give up, Sabrina pushes Bob Gordon into his office to address the evil plot. She tells him that she knows his secret that, no, he's not a cat fucker, he is bald. Bob says that this could destroy his career. Well, being a catfucker would as well, but uh, being bald would uh, destroy his career if people knew. How, Sabrina asks, aren't honesty and integrity the most important things to a journalist? Not in this decade, he says. People like people with hair. Yep, he says, America hasn't trusted a bald man since Eisenhower. That's so 50s. Unable to get through to him, Sabrina and Salem mope around, waiting for it all to be over. Harvey joins them for support, at least. Um, she says, uh, he says, oh, I hope I'm not late. I haven't missed anything, have I? And she says, no, just we've uncovered uh, just the corrupt world that we live in. And he goes, great. <laughs> That's, yeah. Harvey down to a T. Yeah. Uh, Bob Gordon is ready to announce the best in show. He asks for Mrs. Erickson and Duke to the table. Could they be the blackmailers? Well, before we can find out, Bob Gordon realises that Duke is indeed equipped with whisker extensions. <gasps> everyone shrieks and Salem shouts, disguising himself as a contestant, I assume, and everyone in the room goes ballistic. She defends that fact and says that she checked the rule book, and it's fine. Bob Gordon agrees. And this is where we get a nice turnaround for Bob Gordon, really. This seemingly respected man turned corrupt official... realises his mistakes he says if Mrs Erickson would like to glue bits of hair onto her animal to improve its image she can it may seem a little desperate a little silly a little vain but who are we to he pauses oh dear lord it's like looking into a mirror he cries he can see himself in that cat not literally (laughs) because we've learnt he isn't a cat fucker (laughs) Uh, and with that, he decides to come clean and rips off his toupee, causing everyone in the room to gasp. And it's quite ferocious. Oh yeah, very very violent ripping off toupee. It was quite a good toupee. You could, yeah. you, could you could tell from the beginning that that's a wig, but you just didn't know whether it came into the story or not. Well, yeah. you know, everyone's got a price. 
toupee. He realises the uh, the wrong in his uh, way, so he takes his toupee off and exposes his bald head to everybody. Uh, Mrs. Erickson tries to cover it up, but Sabrina steps forth, ready to expose the whole story. She tells a gripping tale which causes Mrs. Erickson to run off sobbing, uh, grasping for her missed youth, doesn't she say? Yeah. yeah. So Bob Gordon makes the right call in the end, hooray, and awards Salem the winner. Oh my God, he says, everything is in slow motion. Aww. He's really taken away the fact that he hates being a cat, but in some ways he's good at being one. This man nearly ruled the world and he's overcome by winning a provincial cat beauty pageant well, yeah, in Greater we, Boston. Because yeah. we never found out why he wanted to take over the world. Was it that he was rejected and scorned from society for all his entire life growing up and that's why he wanted to go against it and take over the world and show who was boss? Because he was never accepted? Well, I think and now was, he is. I think it was he didn't win a beauty pageant. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so so yeah. this is this is all come full circle. Bob Gordon is just about to award the ribbon to Salem until no, no, no. He suddenly remembers that blonde cat he saw yesterday. The cat he can't stop thinking about, and it just so happened to be Sabrina. She runs out of the room and turns herself back into said cat and wins first prize. Meanwhile, Harvey is awfully confused as to why Zelda named her cat Sabrina. Uh, leaving Salem to weep on Hilda's shoulder. <laughs> he goes, I was so close. <laughs> and we, we we felt really sorry for Salem, didn't but we? But he did the cry, and that's always good. Yeah, and it, yeah it lifted us up right. Uh, Zelda tries to pry Sabrina out of Harvey's hands, as he's taken a shine to the cat, saying it's the most gorgeous, beautiful cat he's ever seen. And that is the most action Harvey and Sabrina have ever had. That's and she was in cat form. That's yeah, the defined relationship you've been waiting for, yeah. Chris. Yeah. It's good to know that he's attracted to her as a cat as well. Not, not, not in a Bob Gordon way. <laughs> but, uh... Also, Hilda feels bad for poor Bob Gordon, so she puts one of those magic mirrors on his desk, which soon lifts his spirit and his confidence. Oh, Bobby, baby. Bobby, booby. <laughs> 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 it was really funny. Uh, he was very good, Duff Lorica. I liked him this. Yeah. Uh, back home, and Sabrina is trying to say sorry to Salem, apologising that her vanity took over in the end. But with the money, both her and Harvey can go to Funland, and Salem's credit card debt is all paid off. As it meant more to Salem, Sabrina awards Salem with the ribbon. And he cries, doesn't he? Well, he goes, oh, I've got something in my eye. But it's really sweet, this. It's really nice. Doing something as a cat in a form he's very he can't do a lot it meant to him it meant a lot to him mm. winning this award so it's a it's a nice nice little uh, personality growth we've seen from Salem in this episode and the credits roll and it's the return of Dirk the creepy mailman who comes bearing mail and stakes yeah he found them in the like abandoned mail uh, room <laughs> yeah if they've just been lying there they could be in terrible nick yeah. Well, it, yeah, we don't know how long they've been lying there. Has someone already tried to claim them? Is there a statute of limitations on how long something can be in there? Is it a month? Have those stakes just been sat in the warm, yeah. damp room, whatever it is? I yeah. would not accept. Oh, yeah, I'd be like, to be yeah. polite, yeah. Thanks, Dirk. Yeah. I mean, uh, we all saw that it's not the worst thing he presents to oh. uh, Zelda as he takes his cap off and he's got the the worst haircut yeah. I think I've ever seen on 
anything. Yeah, it's not that so 90s. It's not even that so 80s. I've never seen quite this... It's, it's a comb over on top, but then a mullet, like a... Like a no, it's not mullet. even that. It's like the comb over on top, just, it starts in the centre. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even, it doesn't have a side to it. So it's just like his hairline is like, and the hairline starts halfway around his head, jobs are good. You can see why he decided to turn to voice acting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like Bobby Charlton meets Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it so is. The comb yeah. over and the sort of squirt yeah. sort of thing yeah. going on as well. Terrible, terrible hair. Terrible. Zelda invites him in for a coffee. He invites her to meet his parents next weekend. Uh, So with that, she sprays some revulsion on herself, which gives her a ferociously ugly face. Dirk just says she looks tired and accepts it. So, does that mean they're still going to be together in the next episode? I don't know. Or she's still going to be trying to put him off? Probably trying to put him off, because that revulsion potion made her look like something from fucking Hocus Pocus. Which we've referenced before. Yeah, it's interesting, though, that, that... what her the idea of being ugly is the the fantasy version of what witches look yeah. like. Yeah, uh, but it actually does. Uh, even if he's a bit of a creep, it does speak to Dirk's character that he isn't repulsed by her. No, he's not sharp. Though he is a creep, he he is dedicated to Zelda in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, yeah, oh, sweet, I guess. <laughs> In a in a rapey murdery way, yeah. 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 It, it just showed that this absolute creep has some redeeming features. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what the UPS and the FedEx men look like. Yeah, dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that brings us to the end of episode nineteen, uh, Cat Showdown. Yeah, uh, we we talked at the start of this episode that it was such a great episode. I think we've enjoyed more talking about it. Uh, but Graham, what, what's your opinions on this episode? <laughs> I've just enjoyed recording this so much because <laughs> I gave us so many talking points. Uh, it's always hard to think about the actual episode in isolation now. But I think that it, it was as, as yeah again basically I summed up my thoughts on it at the beginning. Um, it's you know so it's quite a flimsy plot. I didn't really sort of I mean you know Dirk the creepy mailman. Even though we had some fun sort of you know laughing at his appearance and the, his scenes, the actual character I thought was just really unnecessary and. When it has sort of been built a little as well, Zelda and mm. the Mailman, it was a bit of an anticlimax. Um, so yeah, so yeah, the side pop, which often is the best part of the show, in this case, definitely wasn't. Yeah, the cat competition it introduced us some in- to some interesting characters. I thought Dan Florek as uh, Bob Gordon was very, very funny. In fact, um, great little. Character. You, you could have imagined him as a Channel Eight news reporter. Couldn't Absolutely, you? he really nailed the whole sort of yeah, sort of like provincial local news sort of you know like false sense of importance yeah. um, angle very well. And I really enjoyed sort of Nick McKay getting a lot to do, there being a lot of Salem. So we have some episodes where the plot really does sort of sometimes even move us, you know, sometimes really sort of get us going or get us thinking. That wasn't the case here, but the wacky, surreal uh, humour that we've come to love this show for, uh, Frank Conniff, Rudy Kazuti himself wrote this episode, mm-hmm. and he put some very good gags out there. So I was laughing a lot in this episode. And as this is a sitcom, I guess that's the most important thing. Yes. Uh, Chris, would you agree with, uh, with Graham's point? What did you yeah, think of the episode? I, uh, it just, it was... The, the functionality of it was essentially uh, a, a downgraded blackmail scheme yeah. in some form of competition. That's what it was. And that was where the humour lay. 
Yeah. It was the fact that it was it was such a small, minute competition, yet blackmail was still happening on a on a ridiculously small scale. It wasn't, oh, I'm blackmailing you to uh, make sure the return of my children are safe, yeah. or blackmailing you to take the fall for a crime that we committed together, or blackmailing you for snorting cocaine off the arsehole of a uh, of a of prostitute of Salem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was it was downplayed, which is where the humor lay. It was like this big thing that could have applied to something huge in a very small scale yeah so yeah it was it was all right yeah i think i think what the main problem with this episode was is that we've known sabrina to be a, a bonkers show really zany really outrageous magical plot lines and i think this plot was too simple Maybe, it was just yeah. a cat competition it was a blackmail story and zelda didn't want to someone to fancy it i think the concept was a bit too simple but I think they did the best with small plotline. Uh, but I, yeah, I enjoyed the episode. You know, yeah, Dan Flock was really, really good. Bob Gordon was a great character. It was great to see Salem, especially more spitting action, which I've come to enjoy. And yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the episode. I think it was, a, it was a good one. Chris, again, as I always say, you are the rank master. It's no good me and Graham just saying, yeah, it's good. What do you think of it? Each week you set the bar of what this episode should be rated as. So go ahead. Now it was uh, last episode was. We, we, we stated it was standard. Yes. And I gave it a five. You know, this episode, it was below standard, but because of the amount of Salem that we had in it, it I, I, I'm giving it a bit of a boost. So I'm giving it a uh, 4.5 milk out of Salem's arsehole. <laughs> I think I'd probably... Maybe I think I believe I gave the last episode six, and I agree with Chris that it was sort of below par but very funny and very nice to see Salem so I'll stick it right in the middle five gallons of milk <laughs> out of Salem's arsehole <laughs> and I think I share the same amount of gallons as, as you Graham as well I think it was a toss between yeah 4.5 and 5 so I think that's yeah a, a good episode not terrible not amazing but you know it's got some good gags some good characters in it uh, but definitely not the best uh, that we've seen ever and indeed recently I think in particular this next one is an interesting uh, episode for you Christopher oh my meeting dad's girlfriend okay so now this could be very tricky but what do you think it's about um how about it is meeting dad's girlfriend is Sabrina's father finally makes a fucking appearance uh, but brings a a girlfriend with him and uh, she the, and then Harvey and Sabrina also meet the father and girlfriend sort of duo so it's sort of Harvey meeting Sabrina's father and he's brought a fancy pants girlfriend who's a complete and utter bitch yeah, I, I can't imagine it being anything other than that. I mean, I, I don't know about the temperament of the girlfriend. She might be a bitch. She might be really nice. Either way, as you know, a child of divorced parents, it must be difficult to see one of your parents with somebody new if you've never seen it before. So it would be a difficult moment for Sabrina anyway, and yeah. she'd want Harvey's support throughout. But yeah, I think I think, I think good old good old Eddie uh, makes a reappearance. Yes, yeah. There, there isn't much mystery in this episode. Yeah, meeting Dad's girlfriend, episode twenty. Uh, Sabrina is anxious about introducing Harvey to her dad, Edward. However, what she isn't prepared for is being introduced to her dad's new piece, Gail. So the only thing that leaves us to do is to say. Thank you for listening, and thank you to my colleagues to the sides of me. To the left, thank you very much, Graham Riley. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you very much to the man on my right, Mr. Chris Evans. Not a problem, Philippe. Just to, to end 
and end on a on a positive note. Oh, oh, please, that's that's all we want. Uh, we we got an inkling of uh, Harvey and Sabrina's relationship quite early on, and then nothing fucking happened, and then they finally kissed. And now we're about what four episodes later, and he's meeting the parents. Where the fuck was this six episodes ago? That's not a positive point well, at all. I know, yeah, but if I said that, then uh, you'd let me talk. Okay. Sabrina the Teenage Watch is available in many different formats, so whether you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio or iTunes, please leave us a comment or a review. Your support means we get more listeners. And it means our hard work is not going to waste. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror. If you want to contact us or keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Sabrina Watch. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch and there we shall be. And thank you to you for listening wherever you are. And remember, may every little thing you do be, be magic. magic.